Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Those are the words of the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution for a dictator or a dictator wannabe, those words represent extreme danger. In fact, if the provisions of the First Amendment are upheld, it would be virtually impossible for a tyrant to overthrow the existing government and establish a dictatorship. I consider the body of the Constitution to be the operating manual for the federal government. The First Amendment and the Bill of Rights define the relationship of the federal government to the individual sovereign states and to each one of their sovereign citizens, namely you and me. The entire Bill of Rights, including the First Amendment, has been under attack for decades. The arrogant global elitists intend to enslave all mankind in a one world collectivist tyranny to satisfy their sociopathic lust for power and financial greed. Let's just look at what they have done to eviscerate the First Amendment. Religious freedom has always been a key element in American society. The pilgrims left England and sailed to America in 1620 to escape religious persecution by the King of England. The First Amendment specifically protects the free exercise of religion, but state governments have successfully closed churches this past year to prevent the spread of the COVID virus. Although the First Amendment prohibits abridging the freedom of speech, large social media corporations actively censor speech and even ban public figures who dare to oppose their collectivist agendas. Free speech is no longer allowed on college campuses and even in the public square. The essence of education is to explore different ideas and views in order to learn about the countless options available to each of us. You can now be silenced and even physically assaulted for speaking your thoughts or even uttering banned words. 
I have never seen in the Constitution the right not to be offended. Their purpose is simple. They intend to prevent us from meeting together to plan and strategize how to fight their evil intentions. After our commercial break, we will return with our guest, Richard Salazar, Jr. of Speak Freely USA. The free speech. We are back with Richard Salazar, Jr., chairman of the free speech movement. Their mission statement, and I quote, the free speech movement is designed to cancel the cancel culture by supporting every American's right to speak freely. Their website, speechmovement.org. Richard Salazar, welcome to Freedom Forum Radio. Dr. Dan, thank you for having me. It's good to be with you. And uh, I'm excited to talk about what I think is the most important conversation uh, in the country right now. It is a conversation that we're going to have. And I hope that people listening also have a conversation, because if we lose the right to free speech, that ability is going to be very difficult to come by. So let's talk, Richard Salazar. Uh, what is going on in our nation today that concerns you? Well, it's just that, Doctor. I think that uh, we're in a, uh, in a in a time right now where the cancel culture movement has an extremely strong wind in its sails. In fact, today I was talking with somebody and I said, the cancel culture movement right now has hurricane-like winds in their sails because they have big tech, they have the media, they have powerful politicians, uh, they have pretty much everything they need to be able to succeed. And they're headed down a path right now that is protected, and it's a path that has them on its way to succeed. And that is my concern right now. My concern is that uh, up until now, anyway, there isn't a, you know, there hasn't been a voice, a movement to push back against this cancel culture. This is why they've been able to get as far as they have. They've been able to get this far because nobody has stepped up to the plate to challenge them. Well, with voices like yours and ours, we're on our way to building a movement that will push back pretty quickly. You know, canceling the freedom of speech is not new. Uh, it goes back to things like burning books. Mm -hmm. uh, a dictator takes control. Uh, he says, well, there's some texts and, and written tracks and, and all kinds of things that people could use to uh, to try to get rid of me, to try to cancel my power. And so in medieval times, there were just big piles of books. They'd drag them out of the libraries, the churches, uh, put them in the middle of the town square and light them on fire. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what we have going on now. It, we are a digital nation, and so this is a digital age, but it's exactly the same as burning books, which mm -hmm. has been done for centuries. Without a doubt, you know, if you know, if if the and right now, unfortunately, it's the you know, it's the left, the far left that is attacking the, um, you know, the opposition, the opposite side in terms of of, you know, what they can and can't say. And if if they can't convince traditional America that their ideas are better for us, then 
uh, you know, th- then they're going to revert to communist-like tactics to pretty much take over the messaging in this country. And that's where they're headed. They're absolutely headed. I believe by the end of this year, if there isn't a major pushback in this country, there will be a takeover of the messaging in this country and it will be one-sided. And at that point, you know, who knows if, if it's, if, if free speech and the first amendment is salvageable. You know, and what is so important about free speech to me is that this is all about canceling our history. Mm -hmm. Knowing history is what instructs us about how we got to where we are and how the the morals, the ideals, the philosophy of our nation. That's what this is all about. Um, In ancient times, civilizations, if if a conqueror came and, and conquered another civilization, the first thing they did was erase the history of the previous civilization. And that's what's going on today, because if we know what our founding fathers, what these great men who had great ideas, they meant for us to be free, to have individual freedom. Well, if cancel culture has its way, all of that philosophy will be eliminated. Without a doubt. And, you know, they know how to use the the court system. They know how to use the Supreme Court. They know how to get what they want and how to manipulate certain, um, you know, certain uh, cases and uh, and certain, um, you know, just uh, uh, voices that uh, that would want to oppose free speech. Like, for example, you know, the left had no problem celebrating when the Supreme Court extended the the First Amendment to protect nude dancing and flag burning. Oh, they had no problem with that. Right. But when it comes to all of a sudden now, you know, we uh, we have an opinion that, um, you know, that opposes the the typical far left agenda, well, then they're going to use the Supreme Court, they're going to use local courts, they're going to use whomever they can to uh, uh, to influence uh, the uh, the messaging in their, you know, in their um, in their favor. What, what also scares me, doctor, if I can just throw this in is, I don't know if you remember, but a couple of years back, uh, the mayor in Houston, came razor thin close, razor thin close to making all of the pastors in his city submit their sermons before they can preach them on Sunday. I will tell you right now, that's where we're headed. That's exactly where we're headed. And that was a test run. And they came close. And what's so sad is that we did not see an uprising. We didn't see a challenge coming from the from the clergy in Houston to push back on that. That's why the mayor came close. Well, you know, uh, that that's a great point. And I I think we ought to talk about that in our country. The church, the pastors, they have been uh, the moral force behind everything good that's happened in our country. When they are the ones who set us on a moral course. You know that our Constitution was, was divinely inspired through the, through the work of our founders. Um, and, you know, during the Revolutionary War, it was the pastors from their pulpits who instructed the people that it was morally all right to rise up against tyranny. They preached rising up against tyranny. In many cases, the pastors themselves trained the militias in their various towns. 
They were looked up to as leaders of their community. I think the church has failed us. What do you think? Oh, you know, without a doubt, I, you know, I, I, the church is is certainly doing a lot of good uh, in the world. Obviously, I think you and I would agree with that. And there, you know, I think 90 percent of what of what the church does for the world is is absolutely amazing. But it's the 10 percent. It's that small percentage that is flipping everything upside down and causing uh, and, and them helping to cause the chaos in um, in this cancel culture society. Uh, the church is already, and I don't want to get too involved in the theological aspects of, of, of the church, but the church is already divided as it is, right? The church, I, I, I typically say, I like to say that the church, Sunday morning is the most segregated day of the week because you have so many different elements of the church in their, in their, in their corners every Sunday that it's so divided. And, and the rest of the world looks at that and goes, well, you know, why, why should we follow these guys? They can't even agree on their own stuff. Well, that's kind of trickled down into where we are now with the cancel culture. Some of, you know, Unfortunately, there are some some pastors and and faith based leaders who are on the opposite side of of the um, of of the messaging. And so I don't I'm not surprised by it. But when it comes to the, the one voice that needs to be heard from every pastor in this country, it's the one that should be saying as loud as possible. Hey, we're not going to let the government make us submit our sermons and scour them for hate speech before we can preach them on Sunday. And that, and we're not seeing that unison voice around the country. And it's very alarming. You know, the president said something, or the former president, President Trump, uh, last week at CPAC, he said something that's absolutely true. And I've been saying this for quite a number of years. He said, you know, the problem with you people is you're very weak. You're very soft. And that is what the opposition knows. It's what they see. And they're taking advantage of that. That's why the cancel culture is advancing in ways that they are. It's because the voices that should be rising up there. Listen, doctor, there are more of us than there are of them. The problem is the more of us are too soft in our approach. What you're talking about is is exactly what has happened in this country for the last, virtually the last hundred years, maybe the last 50 years in earnest. And that is the Hegelian dialectic. And they have used that to perfection. That is, of course, uh, thesis, uh, antithesis, and synthesis. That's how it works. Uh, what would happen is, is the left, uh, the, the socialists, the collectivists, I prefer to call them collectivists, they would propose some outrageous plan, uh, which would be the antithesis to what was normal, which is the thesis. And then we would then end up compromising, which is the synthesis of those things, on some position which was further away from our position and closer to theirs. So we they manipulated us, manipulated us over and over again to continually compromise in that method by proposing something really ridiculous and say, OK, we will back off a little. But their back off position was bad for us. And that's how they have moved the ball down the court for the last 50 years. And we sit back and did nothing about it. You're absolutely right. 
uh, it's time to wake up. As we say here, it's, it's time to get off the sofa. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, we're seeing it's starting to intensify that, you know, that, um, you know, the just the, the opposition using whatever they can to manipulate uh, product, to manipulate, uh, you know, taglines, whatever the case may be. For a good example is Dr. Seuss. I mean, come on. Why are we now talking about Dr. Seuss? Why is Dr. Seuss now a part of the dialogue in cancel culture? Well, they found an inroad, a very small, a very small row, uh, door, uh, a, a very small crack, rather, in the door that they opened wide. And they stepped in and made a big thing and are making a big thing out of really nothing. I don't believe Dr. Seuss was a racist. There's no evidence of that. In fact, there is evidence of a couple of his books where he is uh, protecting minority rights and he is um, opposing uh, anti-Semitism. And so I strongly believe that these guys now are just after anything they can get and hoping something sticks to the wall. I mean, look what they've done with, you know, a lot of these other products that were on shelves in the markets. They just came full force and said, no, that's not going to work. No, we won't have that anymore. No, we won't have that. Look what they're doing to Mike Lindell. No, we don't like Mike. So we're going to make sure that Bed Bath & Beyond and Kohl's eliminate his product. I mean, where does this end? Where does this end? And if Dr. Seuss was such an issue, then why did President Obama back in 2015 and 2018 endorse and support Dr. Seuss and promote his products. President Obama's an educated man. He had to have known, you know, he wouldn't have endorsed the product if he knew that there was any uh, any um, uh, racial undertones with Dr. Seuss's products? Absolutely not. They're just looking at finding anything they can to manipulate the conversation, to move it forward. And the opposition, the people that should be pushing back, are doing nothing. Well, that's exactly what's happening, uh, as you know. And, and really, basically, whatever they accuse us of is what they are doing. Right. That, that's how it works. I mean, they call us racist. Well, we're not racist, but they are. If you look at what they're pushing, it's really it's totally racist. And it's all this is all designed to divide us against each other um, because that's what's happening. No matter they call us a name, we're not the name. They, we call them a name. It's all part of this group think uh, trying to get us to be divided. They've been very, very successful at that. They certainly have. They certainly have. And so it's going to take a movement. I believe we're going to be that movement that will rise up and push back and say, hey, no, enough is enough. We need fairness in this country. We don't obviously we don't oppose uh, voices that uh, that don't uh, believe in the way that maybe I would or you would. In fact, nobody knows my position. You know, this is I'm not leading a far right movement. I'm not leading a far left movement. We're down the center. We just want free speech to be protected in this country. Who thought we'd come to the point in this, you know, in in, in life where now we're having to fight against uh, a movement, a radical movement that wants to silence voices just whenever they feel like they can. 
it just it doesn't make sense. I'm 49 years old. So, you know, I haven't seen as much as others have uh, in the history of this country. But I'll tell you what, I have five children and five little children. And I'm really concerned. I'm concerned that by the time they get into middle school, they're going to be indoctrinated with uh, with, um, you know, with classes or they're going to have classes that um, are teaching them what they can and cannot say in public. I I think that's where this is headed really quickly. I believe that they're going to start teaching in public schools. You can't say this. You can't say that. And uh, it's it's just it's going to cause confusion and bring further division like you're talking about in the country. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything.